Hello, hello. Can everyone hear me? How's it going? Sounding loud and clear there. Great. Hey, guys. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Jason. Hello. I was right in the middle of, of tweeting. Oh, <laughs> yes, it'd be like that. It'd be like that. I, I can't, I still can't call this thing X. That's just so weird to me. No. Nope. It, it, it's still Twitter to me. I, I, I'm just that, that kind of person. I know. I'm having the hardest time switching over and calling it X. Finally this week, I was like, okay, it's time. It's time to, to rebrand officially. Um, uh, regretfully, but not a fan of it. I'm not going to lie. No, I've made my own mental editorial decision. Unrelated to Decrypt, these represent only my personal views and not those of my employer. Uh, Twitter is always going to be Twitter. So <laughs> I'm just saying Twitter. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I love it. Very, very nice, very nice disclaimer. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. You're like, gotta say it. Gotta say it on an official decrypt space as decrypt employees. You know, here we are. Um, here we are. Here we are. Well, hi guys. Um, this is um, Abigail, the head of marketing over at Decrypt, um, hosting on the Decrypt account, and I'm here with Ryan and Jason, who are two of our AI and emerging tech reporters over at Decrypt. Um, and we are kicking off these weekly Twitter spaces um, just to kind of talk about everything that's happening in the space. We realize that AI um, causes some people to have a lot of confusion, some fear. There's a lot of apprehension around this this new technology, right, that's kind of taking off. And so we, uh, as a team, just wanted to create a space every week just for 30 minutes where people can come ask questions if they have any. So throughout this conversation, we're going to kind of keep it just at 30 minutes. Um, but if you guys have questions, just feel free to raise your hand and I'll, I'll unmute you. Um, and you guys can ask those to, uh, to Ryan and Jason. But um, we also just wanted to kind of have a space where we can uh, talk about our own POVs on what's happening in this, in, in AI. Um, it's an industry that's moving incredibly quickly and, um, Ryan and Jason, who cover this, they're they're in the trenches on these topics day after day, uh, have a lot of opinions on, you know, how this is changing society, if this is changing this for the for the better, for worse, should we be excited, should we be afraid, et cetera. Um, and so this space is also for them to kind of give their opinion beyond just what they share about in their articles, which is kind of the facts on on what's happening, but just kind of taking it a little bit further and talking about whether or not these these stories and what's happening in the space is something that, you know, is good. You know, we, we talk about kind of highs, lows, and uh-ohs throughout our time together. So um, with all that said, um, Ryan and Jason, um, maybe just give give everyone here a little bit of background on who you guys are and then I'll kind of start firing away some some stories your way and we'll do some highs lows uh-ohs but if you guys could just tell people where you're based and your favorite thing about artificial intelligence to kick it off good morning it's uh you know I'm based here in Pocatello Idaho actually no my username is Hawaii I'm in Honolulu and uh, it's 6 a.m here so it, any grogginess can be attributed to that um, I w I've been with Decrypt for just over a year, actually. Picked up as a freelance writer, then got to be an editor, and most recently with Jason, um, helping our tech news website specifically build its coverage of emerging technologies, starting with, but not limited to, artificial intelligence. And what's your favorite thing about AI, Ryan? 
Well, I, I, I my, my uh, go-to joke is that AI has been around for about 20 years at least, and I think the only reason why everyone's scared now is because journalists are the ones whose jobs are threatened, and when we are threatened, we put it on the front page, and so now it's a national crisis. Yo, okay. That's... Kind of cynical, kind of cynical. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's getting, hitting a that's little a, close to home for you, take. huh? <laughs> Jason, do you... Uh-huh. Jason, do you share a similar POV? And, and uh, let's let's hear your intro, too, on where you're based for everyone. All right. So, everybody, uh, name's Jason. I've been with uh, Decrypt gone on three years now. And uh, I'm based out in L.A., so shout out to L.A. And uh, my – similar to Ryan's, the a lot of the hysteria going on right now is because the media – is feeding a lot of the narrative that this thing is coming for your job, even though they don't necessarily say it, it's kind of implied in a lot of the coverage of AI, which I think Decrypt does better is we tend to try to give it a more nuanced approach, like the good and the bad. And it's not going to just be Terminator scenarios. It's going to be you know, this thing is going to help us explore space. This thing is going to help us clean up the ocean. This thing is going to help clean up the air. It's all about how you use it. So I'm bullish on AI. Uh, I'm a little bearish on people. And we'll probably Mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit later. But the tech itself, I think, is a great addition to um, our, our lives now. I love that. And that's actually the the perfect transition into this first story that I want us to talk about. Um, If you're just joining us now, the way that this is going to run is that um, we're going to talk about about four stories um, that have kind of popped up uh, related to AI over the last week. Um, And then we'll also hold some space for Q&A. So if you guys have a question at any time, just feel free to raise your hand and we can kind of um, go back and forth between Q and A and talking about some of these stories, or you can keep them for the end, either of those, um, work, but we're going to kick it off, uh, talking about some of these stories. And then at the, uh, the end, we'll also do a little bit of, um, a product discussion. We'll be talking about some of our favorite, um, AI related products that Ryan and Jason use. Um, so let's kick it off. Um, a lot, a lot has been going on over the past week as always, um, in the AI space. And I wanted to talk about um, Theta Noir. Um, We recently wrote an article on this. You can find it on our site. But um, Theta Noir is basically this multidisciplinary collective that is arguing that AI should take its cues from nature rather than humans. Cue what you were just saying earlier, uh, Jason. Um, and the reason this is, you know, different and controversial is that most AI groups out there are essentially calling for AI to be embedded with human values. Um, and Theta is actually saying, no, hey, human values are actually the worst thing that we can do and try and replicate in the AI space. So what they want to see is more of this future and more emergent form of artificial intelligence that's that's different from what everyone else is, is building. And they're calling it MENA, uh, which is German for love. Um, and they are essentially kind of seeing it as neither a god or a deity, but some sort of like cosmic mind that merges humans and AI. Um, I hear this. This all sounds a little, a little strange to me. Um, Jason, could you kind of distill this for everyone here with this, this group that's building this? Um, what does it kind of look like for them to be 
building and not replicating human values in their technology. Um, can you kind of give us the, the TLDR on what this is? So basically what Theta Noir is suggesting is that AI should be replicated based on how plants and engage with the earth. So plants, fungus, they're not taking from the earth. They're, it's like a symbiotic relationship where they draw nurture, uh, nourishment from the earth and then they release like, um, what's the uh, carbon? The, carbon dioxide? Or yeah. Releasing oxygen, taking in CO2. Really Man, tough. bio, old bio um, knowledge coming out. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't take that. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it's like a, a circular type situation where we contribute to AI, AI contributes to us. It's not about us dominating AI or using it as some type of just tool. It's about making it a part of us. Um, the I think where the what the hay is coming from is the using it based on that premise instead of what a lot of people call human values. And when people say human values, they mean compassion, empathy, love, things like that. But human values can also skew dark with racism, sexism, uh, things like that based on what your values are. So it's like, okay, we're going to take that equation out and just mimic what the earth does. And that's what should be leading to this more evolved form of uh, artificial intelligence. So I'm a big believer in, you know, uh, biomimicry and following the lessons that nature has taught because they've, you know, mother nature has been at this a little longer than we have. Uh, and, you know, just don't call these folks a cult. That's not great. Um, I just, you know, I couldn't get over the fungus issue because now having watched The Last of Us, uh, I'm kind of scared of fungus too. But I definitely agree that you can, um, if you try to use AI as an extension of humanity, it's going to accelerate both the good and the bad. And I love that you say human values are compassion and love, but it's also key, I don't know, domination and war, or that might just be a gender thing. But in any case, uh, I, I think it's an interesting point of view. Absolutely. When they get into more, uh, not cult, but occult practices, it gets a little more interesting. But, uh, I, I like the perspective. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm a, I'm always down for a little uh, esoterica. So <laughs> this kind of fell right into my uh, my wheelhouse because it's I'm always looking for in in our coverage new uses for artificial intelligence. I the whole like I can't get behind using artificial intelligence to make money you know, like to make money, to do things like that. What else are you doing? You know, like what what's going on? Like, and this really was interesting to me because it's totally out of left field. Yeah, absolutely. And just for, for people who are listening in to just um, a little bit of context on Theta Noir, one of the reasons that they've been accused of, of kind of being a little bit cultish is that they, they do mix some occult practices in, in what they're doing. Um, so some people have been a little bit averse to that. But I think just going back, Jason, to what you're saying about um, the esoteric nature of a lot of this, um, since 
OpenAI started and was launched back in November, generative AI has been used in so many like religious guided meditations in church services and that kind of thing. Is that something that you think that we should be seeing more of, or does that concern you in any shape, um, shape or form? Um, the relationship that, you know, churchgoers, people who are like pretty practicing religiously, um, how they are incorporating AI into, into what they're doing. Is that something that excites you or is that something that makes you a little bit nervous? A little bit of both. And it's mostly because these, we always have to remember behind these models, there's a, there's a human. And we have to remember or think about, you know, these things are going to mimic the person who, who programmed it, going back to the whole, what are you basing it on, right? So if your AI is, you know, only programmed to give, say, encouragement, only to give sermons that are actually drawn from the Bible and not somebody's, you know, weird writing on uh, Reddit, then it should be fine. But if you don't control that flow of information and what goes into the models, you can get anything. So the situation is really based on what it is and who's programming it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's fascinating. Um, and I think that's something that we should be circling back to in, in future weeks as well, because there's a lot happening at the, the intersection of philosophy, religion, and um, and AI. But I wanted to move the conversation along a little bit. Um, Jason, you recently got back from Y3K Innovation Summit, um, which is a AI and blockchain summit uh, for marginalized communities that's hosted at USC. Can you tell us a little bit more about that experience? Um, and I'm curious to hear to hear more about um, how young people at this conference were kind of interacting with AI. If they are, if you are seeing younger generations be mostly excited about this, or if they are kind of trepidatious, share a little bit, um, a little bit of your take on on that whole experience. You know, it was it was actually a really good experience. Um, USC and the Y3K, uh, the name of the group is uh, NFT CLT, like Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, where they're based. And it was very interesting because it there was everything from gaming to live streaming to they had a hologram machine, you know, and there were people of all ages. There were children kids maybe 10 years old I think was the youngest I saw and there were senior citizens there so you had a wide range of people being taught about these different technologies and one thing that the co-founder Tony Bravado told me was that it's very important that people see themselves reflected in the people teaching them because a lot of times this technology is sold to you and marketed to you but it's not like you're not taught how to use it or how to build it. You're just taught how to consume it. And that's something that these, uh, this group really wanted to change. You know, I was sitting in on a um, class by his name is uh, Crypto Miyagi. And he was telling people how to use MidJourney to start a um, drop, like a drop shipping uh, business. And, you know, you take, you go to MidJourney, create images and put the images on t-shirts or whatever. Now, there are questions about the uh, legality of that, the, the, um, 
the copyright because there are people who question this um, these AI art generators. But this is knowledge that people didn't have readily before. And so these people are going out and sharing it with their community. Absolutely. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like one of the big focuses of this conference was also engaging minority people groups. Um, because it, it looks like, you know, a lot of the innovation that's happening in the, the AI space is, um, is, is not really reaching. Uh, it, it's, it's pretty, pretty monolithic in terms of the groups that are kind of building in that now. Um, would you say that this conference was like successful in terms of kind of reaching, reaching out um, and engaging some more minority people groups and, um, and are they building projects um, after this, after going to this conference or was it more of a, a time for everyone to kind of come together and share learnings? Well, it was the first conference of, well, the first of many Bravado um, hopes. The, I believe it was a success just from the amount of engagement that they had from even people who didn't necessarily, because it was a free event. It was, well, free for students and the tickets were like $20. So if you, you know, it drew in people around just wondering who are all these people standing in the standing in this area, looking at all this, all these devices. Well, come on over and check it out. So you had people from outside the school, inside the school, all mingling together, talking about blockchain and artificial intelligence. That that that's only a, a that's only a, an up. That that's a bonus. Absolutely. I was wondering if they, sorry, if they talked about the embedded biases that we've covered a lot at Decrypt in terms of the training data itself, you know, kind of favors a Judeo-Christian Caucasian uh, world. And as a result, the tools can disadvantage minority and underrepresented groups just in their current incarnations. Was that part of the conversation, Jason? Yeah, that was part of the conversation. And I think that's actually a broader conversation we need to have in general, just because you don't, even though ChatGPT, Google Bard, Claude are the dominant AI, because of the way the internet is today, anybody can make one. Anybody can make their own chatbot. You just have to know where to go. So it's, you can't rely on these huge corporations to be unbiased, to not be you know, racist and things like that, because that's not even in their mindset. Their mindset is to get this product out as quickly as possible. So it's up to the individuals and the communities to learn about this stuff and put it out for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Jason, if there's any interesting projects that you see kind of coming out of this group, if you could kind of share them, um, share them in the thread um, for this space, I'm sure everyone would love to see a little bit more about those. But um, moving the conversation al along a little bit, I would love for us to talk a bit about Metaphysic Pro. Um, Metaphysic Pro is a new AI tool that you can use to create AI-generated videos of yourself um, and upload those online. A lot of celebrities have started using it recently, and Hathaway's using it, Octavia Spencer, Tom Hanks, um, Paris Hilton, a couple others. Um, Tell us a little bit more about how this works. Um, from my understanding, one of the, the big pros to this is that it's used to fight illegal deepfakes. Tell us a bit about the, the process of uploading your image and storing it online using AI. 
um, and what the what the incentive is here for people. Well, okay, so we have to clarify exactly what it it is. So, Metaphysic Pro is a uh, it's an application and a platform where you can upload pictures of yourself uh, and other things that capture the characteristics of your person. The data that would put that into an AI model is stored with um, Metaphysics Pro. And the way it was explained is because I can't copyright Jason Nelson. That's, that, that's not something I can do. But I can copyright the characteristics that would allow you to create a picture of Jason Nelson. That's what, well, not copyright, but have some type of ownership of, and that's what the idea is. And copyright is what this is aiming towards. And the way it was explained to me is it's like, think about Mickey Mouse. Disney could not copyright a mouse. That's a natural thing that is all over the world. You can't own the image of that thing. But you can own an image of Mickey Mouse, which is a mouse, but fits under certain characteristics. So I can't come behind you, use that same, those same characteristics and call it something else because you own that. And that's the general idea here. So if you're going to make an AI generated Tom Hanks, you have to use the characteristics that are stored in Metaphysics Pro in order to do it which means you have to go through him because he's the owner of that data. And then that's how he makes sure there's no copy, um, illegal deep fakes. There's, he gets compensated. And that's the basic idea behind using it. Yeah, I definitely think it's a, it's a novel way of solving the problem of your lack of actual ownership of your image, right? Like, what are you talking about? Well, it's a picture of my face. Well, then the photographer owns the picture of your face. Well, it's my face. Well, yeah, that doesn't mean anything either in terms of um, copyright. So if you have a well-defined scan, a 3D scan or, uh, of your likeness, the hope is that that's enough source data to copyright and to go after other people who later scan it and try to use it for their own purposes. It's a, it's a, it's a fascinating strategy. I'm not sure if it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a while before it's tested in court. Do you think this is the kind of thing that everyday people should be nervous about at this stage? Should, should we all be concerned about how our virtual image could be used in a deep fake at this stage or obviously right now it's mostly politicians and celebrities who are using it but would you recommend to people to kind of get ahead of the curve um and go ahead and try and and use a tool like this um to prevent any potential deep fakes on their own identity i'm not so sure because you know legislation and laws can also change uh not as fast as technology, certainly, but already we have across most states a revenge porn slash, you know, un, uh, what is it, what do they call it, sort of an unauthorized distribution of media content, uh, you know. So I think that those, those laws might be more easily adapted to help people um, from being exploited this way than trying to preemptively rush out to a 3D studio and scan your face and try to file it with the copyright office. Right. I think, I think this is more going to be a, uh, to help official um, creations as opposed to illegal creations, mostly because uh, uh, 
no criminal is going to ask you if they can use your likeness, right? So what, and most of these likenesses are taken from pictures that are shared on social media, uh, videos that are shared, interviews, things like that. And then they train their model to create the deep fake. The concern that I have that individuals should have is the use of deep fakes for scams. Uh, a couple of, what, a month ago, there was one issue where uh, a woman received a call that her daughter had been kidnapped and the criminals used a deep fake version of the daughter from stuff they gathered from her social media and were trying to trick the mother into sending them money. It's things like that that people need to be at least on at least aware of that's happening. That makes sense. We heard it here first. No need to kind of be concerned at this stage, but um, stay tuned for how the, all this is progressing. Um, let's cover one last story and then we'll open it up to, to Q&A. But um, Jason, Ryan, I would love to hear your opinion on the latest scrutiny that OpenAI open has been under um, on the security front. Uh, they've recently recruited a cybersecurity red team to be able to test out uh, the platform. Can you give us a little bit of a TLDR on what is what is happening here? So I know this is Jason's story, but uh, I'll jump Go in ahead. quickly. I, I, sorry, Jason. Um, you know, I think that a lot of times when a company, any company says, this is going to be safe, so trust us, that's when everybody rolls their eyes and says, forget it. Um, so the idea of a red team I mean, I, my, in a previous life, I was in bank uh, bank regulation, believe it or not, and had to deal with federal auditors. And it was all about having external validation of your security practices. So it's not enough that you hired someone to come in to your organization or kept someone on staff to test your security. You essentially had to find a uh, white hat hacker to try and break your defenses to demonstrate that it was not possible, at least using the tools available uh, to them. So I think it's smart for OpenAI to, I mean, an organization as prominent as they are is both going to be seen as a leader and an example, as well as a target. And I think um, this open call, I mean, I'm sure they're going to get about, I don't know, 100,000 resumes is a good way to try and get a, a, a trustworthy set of people that if they cannot comp uh, compromise OpenAI, then you can be more confident in their product. Yeah, and there's a whole slew. I mean the the red red teams, red team, blue teams have been securing a lot of the infrastructure that we currently use on on a daily basis, and they've been doing it for years. So, for the people who don't know, you have two types of cybersecurity. You have the red teams, and you have the blue teams. So, the red teams are tasked with attacking a system to find the holes and vulnerabilities in it. And a blue team is our cybersecurity experts of defending systems. So you have to do it on both sides. Can someone get into my system? And then can you stop them from getting into my system? And, you know, things like that. So what OpenAI is doing, and doing an open call is interesting because it's almost like hiring freelancers. You don't have to pay these people a salary. You just pay them a bounty or um, some type of uh, fee to do it. And then you send them on your way and go about your business. It's one of the, it, it's like crowdsourcing 
cybersecurity. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Should any open AI users be concerned as this is going on? I don't. Well, I mean, you should always be concerned. I mean, <laughs> right, right. You know, cybersecurity yeah. is not a one and done situation. Yeah. I mean, we saw last night a few hacks uh, that went on. So, no, cybersecurity is definitely something everybody should be thinking about. Everybody should be trying to to uh, learn more about. So, but in this situation, I think people should be more relieved that OpenAI is taking these steps to sure up their uh, products, mostly because everybody uses ChatGPT. Even people who say they don't use ChatGPT, they use ChatGPT. So, <laughs> so it's good to have the, the, the confidence, at least, that your data won't be harvested by third parties, that you know, your credentials won't be leaked because they had that issue uh, a few months ago where some user's data was harvested um, through a leak. And that's why they introduced two-factor authentication to um, ChatGPT. And I think once this is done, they're going to probably introduce a whole new um, batch of updates just to know we have filled these holes. That makes sense. Yep. Um, let's go ahead and turn it over to Q and A. Um, I have Hariam here who um, wanted to go ahead and and say something or ask something. Um, go ahead and take the stage, Hariam. Or if not. Um, I think you were given speaker access, so feel free to jump in if you if you do have a question. If not, if anyone has a question uh, for Ryan and Jason, uh, this is the the perfect time to kind of jump in and um, ask that. Um, but if not, Ryan and Jason, I mean, I have I have endless questions for you guys. Um, I would love to hear uh, what the latest. AI tool that you have really, really loved using is? Is there anything that you've seen and used recently that you think is like phenomenal and everyone should go ahead and use it? Um, I've since going to Google's um, event in San Francisco last um, earlier this year, earlier this month, I'm sorry, last month, I've been really impressed by their just how many AI tools they have built into just the base Gmail system. Um, like Bard. Bard is actually pretty cool. And what I like about Bard is that it's faster. It's It actually gives you faster responses than ChatGPT. Um, of course, you always want to double check, make sure that what it's telling you is correct. <laughs> Never forget about those hallucinations. Um and then also, they just introduced uh, it, AI for your email, AI for, you know, the other Google products, which I don't know how I feel about AI having access to my emails, but it's an interesting thing to be able to, you know, ask Bart to, okay, I, I spoke to Abigail and Ryan three months ago. Can you bring up the, art, the email that we talked about? That, that's pretty cool. Kind of scary, but it's still pretty cool. 
I think for me, I mean, I, I, I like how Jason was saying, if they don't, use, if they say they don't use ChatGPT, they're lying, and they are. Actually, I don't use ChatGPT that much. I kind of became a Claude AI fan, and I, I know they're using a slightly different way of technology uh, to parse their information and come up with their responses. So I'm really enjoying Claude AI uh, quite a bit, and specifically the ability to upload attachments so I can just take a 173-page 10k filing and say so what's going on with this filing i think that's that's pretty cool i did want to just jump on to the google thing though i love that you can now give it access to your email because 90 percent of my brain is now outsourced to gmail and i kind of like the idea of being able to query it and saying hey uh what was the last time i saw uh you know phil or you know uh Catch me up on all of the things that I talked about with for Jason so I don't sound like an idiot when we meet up in person tomorrow. Like I, I, I think that's kind of cool. Using AI with your own data, I think, is the next big big area, and uh, I'm excited about I love that. that. Actually, I would love to get a show of hands. I've, I've never done that with my own data um, specifically. Uh, if you guys have, if you've used AI to manage your own, like, email account in the past can you just like put a little heart um on the space i'm curious to kind of see who all is doing that on the regular um if that's if that's something anyone is doing or if we're still we have a couple hearts um yeah i feel like that's still something that we're we're very early on but it's a really exciting um tool well we have a couple a couple questions um, here. There's um, someone who's anon um, with the, the the purple circle um, in uh, their username. If you want to go ahead and unmute yourself, feel free to to ask away, ask a question. Sure. What's up? My name is actually Shane. It's uh, nice to be here. I read Decrypt all the time, and I appreciate the opportunity to ask a question. So. I'm, I know what I do with my AI and I know like daily, like the small tasks that I do, or maybe it's like image generation or whatever, but sometimes I feel like I'm on an Island by myself because not a lot of people in my real world are also using AI. So what I wanted to ask for, for the two of you, what daily tasks, whether they're mundane or they're, they're not cool at all, what are you really using your stuff for the most? Like what have you offloaded that you are saying, hey, this might not be flashy or like the, the cool thing, but this is what I'm really seeing myself using the most because I know what I do, but I don't know enough about what other people are doing and I'm wondering what I'm missing. I think going back to what Ryan was saying about using AI to disseminate large chunks of data is probably what I would say is it's, it's most used for. Um, for example, you know, we're all following the FTX it, um, trials and things like that, the situation. And the lawyers are always putting out documents. So some of these documents could range anywhere from 10 to 60 pages. So using AI to actually give you the gist of this 60-page document really takes the grind work out of that and allows you to craft, you know, craft your story, craft what's going on a lot faster. Of course, with any AI interaction, you have to make sure that it's telling you the truth and that it can tell you where it found the information it's telling you. I always want to double check what AI is telling you. I think that is probably the most uh, helpful 
productive use of AI right now, but I'm sure there'll, there'll be more down the line. Well, I, I, I thank you, Shane, for the question. I see you are a veteran Twitter Spaces uh, host, and that's great because I didn't know what I was doing last week and I missed most of this conversation. Um, I, in terms of the specific questions of how do I use it on a day-to-day basis, I use a couple of uh, well, I mean, I'm sure uh, you might be familiar with Otter, um, but I do use a couple of apps that are also in beta. One's called Backtrack, one's called Rewind. Um, they basically monitor, I mean, this is going to sound scary and crazy, but that's what we are here. It monitors everything happening on my computer and can backtrack or rewind based on AI summaries, anything that has been on my screen, including text, um, uh, most commonly Zoom meetings. And what I like about it is that, and yes, one of them does require me to install an LLM locally on my machine, which is good because you don't want all of the stuff going to some cloud. Um, but I could be I could be on a Zoom call and not record it, but then realize that Jason had said something that I want to get back to and just go and get it. Or what it does after every Zoom meeting is email a summary of that meeting. And I just find that really helpful because later when I'm in Gmail, I type in a word. I'm like, oh, yeah, we talked about that on August 12th. Like, it's really, really useful for day-to-day tasks. So I would say that's one big one, meeting summary or information uh, recall is high on there. Um, But apart from that, like Jason said, I use Claude AI. I currently have a conversation thread that has every filing in the FTX uh, case right now out of court listener. And um, although I'm sure that token is going to get too big to run eventually, that single thread is now kind of like my outsourced brain on the case. And I could be like, oh, where where was, uh, you know, I don't know, where was that NFL quarterback mentioned? And it'll find it. So I that's a secondary kind of like a document analysis and archival retrieval system. So I hope that's a, a little helpful to you, Shane. I mean, I, I, I think I'm going to listen to your next Twitter spaces and maybe hear what you use on a daily basis. No, that's actually awesome. I appreciate that because I feel like now you're living in like 2250 and I'm stuck in 2023 because I'm not using any of those things. And now I'm feeling like the caveman of AI. Like I'm over here, clunk, I'm over here clunking around, just learning how to make fire. And this guy's over here with the wheel and agriculture and stuff. Thanks, man. I appreciate the input. I love it. I, that's I, I, I put on the gas. Ryan, Ryan is going 100. percent So <laughs> he's always good to. Uh, if if you ever want to know what's up with technology, Ryan is a great person to ask. I'll just say that right now. Jason, so are you though. I mean, Shane, you're absolutely right. I'm I'm working every day with people who are using literally the most cutting edge tech um, when it comes to anything that's that's being released in AI, which is really awesome. Um, thanks so much for asking a question. That was really, really wonderful. Um, we have time for maybe just one more question if anyone has something burning to ask. Um, and if not, it's all good. Um, thank you everyone for joining and just creating space in your really busy weeks to kind of come and um, talk about all things AI with us. Um, We know that it's a lot to keep up with these days. And so uh, we just want this to be a space where you can come, ask questions, hear about what's going on. Um, And just so you guys know, too, we are going to be releasing um, a new Decrypt hub called Emerge in the next few weeks. So stay tuned. But it's essentially a hub that is um, going to cover all things emerging tech related. So AI, ML, um, 
literally anything under the sun, robotics, a little bit of D-size stuff, decentralized science. Um, so stay tuned on that friend, but we're, we're going to be building out a newsletter around that and social channels and all of that. And so we'd love to hear from you guys too, on just how we can kind of activate more with, with the community at large and, um, be, be really a service to you guys, um, as you are kind of navigating, um, the, AI, the AI space. So feel free to reach out if you have any suggestions for us on how we kind of build that out and stay tuned for updates, um, on our end. And then we will also add, uh, links to all the products that were mentioned, um, during this space, um, after, um, on this thread, um, that will be posted. And so feel free to just keep posted. Yeah. Keep, keep, refreshing that and uh, go check out any of those products if you want to test them out. Um, but thank you so much. Thanks, Ryan and Jason. Any any closing remarks? Uh, no, just wanted to say great spaces again. I always love hanging out with you and Ryan. Uh, shout out to uh, Tony Bravado down in the listeners. <laughs> go check him out. Uh, he's a, the co-founder of Y3K and uh, he, he did a, a great job. So I'll see you guys again next week. All right. Aloha. Thank you Hell very much. Yeah. Tony, great to have you. We'll, we'll have to have you come up on speaker next time. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks so much, guys. And we'll, we'll catch you all next week. Bye, everyone.